Church family, let's give it up for our awesome week at Kids Camp. I mean, I'll be honest with you, being on stage here feels a little empty. I expect a giant rocket to be right here. I'm still looking for planets hanging from our ceiling that we head up for the week. But man, what an awesome week of Kids Camp. So thankful for Pastor Jared, his leadership in kids ministry, and just the countless volunteers it takes to pull off something like that. I, I was just reminded even the last service of like little things like our security team that helped us safely navigate as we went downtown with the older students and into our neighborhoods. Man, it takes so many people to do everything that we do. I especially think about our, our, our kids team and our worship team. Man, they have worked so hard and to see some of the students here running cameras and in the back that have been here all week long doing kids camp. Man, it's awesome. And I just want to take one quick moment, if you guys don't mind, for anybody who volunteers for kids camp would you just stand up so we can recognize you if you had any role students adults thank y'all so much you can be seated um, I mean as a, as a pastor on staff I'm just you know humbled to be a part of a, a church and a staff that works so hard to, to do something like this and and really what we're talking about today worshiping God um, and, and bringing that good news to the nations. Man, I, I feel like in a, in a microcosm this week, we did all those things really well. We had an awesome opportunity to preach the word to the kids that came here this week. They heard the gospel everywhere they went, whether it was in Bible study time, through the worship that was led, through the skit that took place. They were saturated with the gospel message all week long. Those one-on-one -on -one conversations with leaders, those seeds that were planted this week. I mean, I praise God for it. Uh, Jared gave me a report that uh, for family night, one thing we did, we put cards on the back of the pews and we asked kids if throughout the week of camp that they wanted to make a decision to follow Christ, that they write it on a card and they place it in a bucket at the back as they left the building. And we have numerous conversations that we have to do as a staff to follow up with decisions that were made for Christ. So we were just so thankful what took place here and we are excited about getting to have those conversations and to hopefully see a lot of those kids get baptized here probably in a month or so when we're out at the lake. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so I wanted to celebrate that. I thought it was a great week and just um, excited about what took place. You saw the joy of the kids as they worshiped this week and uh, we'll talk about that some more in just a second. Um, as you know, we're in a series on Psalms. I'm actually... The last thing keeping you between, I'm keeping you between getting back to Pastor Zeb and preaching. So I'm wrapping up our series on Psalms. Uh, Zeb has very graciously given up the pulpit for a month for other pastors on staff to be able to share, to work on our um, calling and gifting of preaching that we um, like to do. And it's a real blessing just to be able to, to be here this morning to share with you. Um, I, I've been gone quite a bit. I feel like I almost need to have a name tag that says, hi, my name is Pastor Drew. I'm the missions pastor. I haven't been here in what feels like really like a month between family vacation and mission trips. But man, just, just so blessed um, to be able to share and thankful for the other pastors who've preached. We were in Hungary. Um, it's about six, seven hours ahead. And one night I was just sitting there. Well, it was, I guess it was Sunday night. And I was like, man, let me see what's going on in Apex. So I, I pulled up the Facebook live feed and I think it was Pastor Tyler that was up here preaching. I mean, just so awesome hearing our pastors 
preached a word. I know Kevin did a great job, Caleb, Tyler, and Jared last week. And I really kind of want to jump off where, where Jared left off last week. If I could kind of do a, a Cliff Notes version of last week's sermon, I think I would use the frame, God is worthy to be praised. I mean, that was kind of the heart of what Jared was talking about. We serve a God who is worthy to be praised. And then I think the, the second point under that with it would probably be, because God is worthy to be praised, we want to share that with the next generation. And it was a fitting sermon on the, the, the precipice of kids camp coming the next week. Jared led us faithfully through Psalm 145. And the idea was that we worship a great God and we should praise him. He is the goat. I don't know if you remember, he used the example of Michael Jordan. Uh, I forgot who all he said. He didn't say LeBron James. I would have remembered that but uh, Tom Brady, and he talked about that, but really the greatest of all time, the goat is God. And I love the way he kind of brought that, especially as you're getting ready for kids' camps. A lot of uh, kids, of course, can relate to that. I thought it was a great illustration. But as I thought about that, I also thought about what I'm teaching on this week, which is Psalm 145. And what we're talking about today is, again, God is worthy to be praised. We're starting in the same spot. We serve a God who is worthy to be praised. That's a theme within the Psalms. You see it time and time again. God is worthy to be praised. But my passage, not to surprise the many of you, is about reaching the nations. I am the missions pastor after all. So as I was thinking about what Jared shared about sharing within our own home and pouring into our own children, letting them know about the glory of God, I want to kind of piggyback on that and add on um, a heart for missions in, in that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a book called Raising Kids with a Heart for Mission by Danny Aiken. If you're not familiar with Danny Aiken, he's the president over at Southeastern Seminary, not too far from here. His son, Nate, was our interim pastor before Zeb got called. Just a great brother in Christ, and it's a really short book. Parents, grandparents, um, aunts, uncles, if you're pouring into young people, mentors, you know, teachers, students who are investing in our kids' ministry, this would be a great book for you to read. I promise you it's under 100 pages. I love short little books like that, 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 that pack a punch, give you what you need, and we move on. This is one of those kind of books, and this is what he states in this book. He says, as the missionary Hudson Taylor is said to have famously declared, the Great Commission is not an option to consider. It is a command to be obeyed. And he says, let our obedience begin but not end with those closest and dearest to us. Let it begin in our home. And again, trying to build a little bit off what Jared shared last week, we want to instill into our kids, into the next generation, that they are a part of God's great redemption plan for mankind. And each one of us has a role to play in that. And we want our kids to live a life on mission, there are so many other things that can distract us, that can pull away from us, but ultimately we want to live our life on mission. And as we'll study today, ultimately what we want to do is bring others into a relationship with God so they can worship him as well. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 96. If you are willing and able, as Pastor Zeb likes to say, I ask for you to join me in standing as we read God's word. Be in Psalm 96, and we're going to read all 13 verses of it. It says this It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are, un, are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in his splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we dive into this text today, one of the places I want to start off in is that this verse, this, um, this collection of verses in Psalm is actually found in another spot in Scripture as well. Uh, if you look in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 16, you see that a scene unfolds that is pretty important in the nation of Israel, and David captures it by saying these words, by praising God through what was said in Psalm 96. Now, the event we're talking about is the return of the Ark of the Covenant. So if you remember uh, your Bible stories well, you will remember that they recovered it and they were returning it to Jerusalem. And David uh, was very excited, as were all the people. You know, we earlier had the stage filled with about, what, 40 or 50 uh, kids. And they, they were a little shy because they're in front of this. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on the stage, but these lights will blind you. And you look out there, it's, it's pretty intimidating. So I understand the kids being a little nervous up there. But I'm telling you, during the week as we worship at kids camp, these kids made a joyful noise. I'm always taken aback. I got to lead fourth and fifth graders. And, you know, some of these kids, and even then looking on some of the pictures, the, the younger grades, first kindergarten, first, second, third, I mean, they're like half my size, these tiny little humans. But the, the noise that they can generate, the, the, the depth of the loudness of their singing and emotions and their uh, excitement is, is really unbelievable. You know, we only had fourth and fifth grade in here for worship, so we probably filled about maybe half of these seats. But I'm telling you, there was times where I could not hear myself think because they were so loud singing, praising our God. Man, what a beautiful thing. Well, I think that also is true for the scene in First Chronicles as the, the Ark of the Covenant is returning. In fact, we get a little glimpse of this. Um, you probably already noticed, I don't need to tell you this, but First Chronicles and Second Chronicles and First and Second Samuel kind of mirror each other in Scripture. They're, they're both accounts of basically the same thing, but we have different things that are covered. Uh, think about it almost like the Gospels. Different Gospels kind of share different stories about Jesus. Well, this is, shares different stories about the nation of Israel, in particular uh, the time of David. And in, in one account, we get uh, the psalm that we read today. Day. It's, it's in there. If you work, look in 1 Chronicles 16, you'll see that all the words that I just read are found in that passage of Scripture. It's not found in 2 Samuel, but what is found in 2 Samuel is a little tidbit we don't get in the other piece of Scripture, and that is that 
David's wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, was embarrassed by the way he worshiped. It's this really interesting part in scripture, and you're like, wow, that's kind of weird. But she's looking out the window, she's watching this parade come through, and she sees David, and David is not wearing his royal garb. He's instead dressed in uh, priestly attire, very simple clothing. Uh, he looks very ordinary human. Uh, beyond that, he is not just walking through the streets. He is dancing and shouting. Sometimes as Baptists, I think we could use a little bit more of that. But David is doing that very loud. He is excited about what God has done through his people. The Ark of the Covenant is home. They've built a tent for it to rest in. He is worshiping his God, and he doesn't care what he looks like, and he doesn't care uh, the way he worships. You know, uh, the week of kids' camp... Um, the kids don't care about who is watching them. That's one thing I love. Now, again, they were a little shy this morning, but during the week, man, they are just worshiping God. They're doing emotions. They don't care. They are just worshiping God, regardless of who is watching. Um, for some of you who had kids who came this week, you probably experienced the same thing I did. Our worship team is amazing. They put all the songs on a, on a playlist for the kids and for the parents to experience. Now, it's kind of a double-edged sword because by the end of the week, you're like, man, that song, if I hear it one more time, woo, I'm gonna lose my mind. But the cool thing about it is your kids come home and that's all they wanna do. They just wanna worship God through these songs. They're doing the motion. My little Ellie, four years old, doing all the motions. I sent Jess Coe a video of it because I was like, man, this is awesome. You gotta see this. And I didn't know what song it was, so I had to ask her what song it was. But... It's awesome to see our kids worshiping in that way. And that's how David was expressing it in this scene in the Bible. But one thing that we want to know about this passage of Scripture is David knows that that's not where it ends. He's talking, he's, he, he's writing down these words of praise to God. He's talking about the nations rejoicing that salvation is to come to all of mankind. But he knows it's not just for the nation of Israel. They're sitting there celebrating, the ark is back, they're, they're dancing in the streets. But he knows that God has a bigger plan in mind. And I know this to be true because he made this promise with Abraham. And he's been working through David. And then we see uh, through the timeline, we get into some ups and downs of the nation of Israel. You know the stories of disobedience. They get taken away. They get captured. Nehemiah, all those things. And then we get to, to Jonah, who is sent to go share the gospel, the good news of God to a people that aren't Israelites. He goes to the Ninevites, the people who we would consider Gentile people, not believers. And he's reluctant. You know, he gives the worst answer that you could possibly give to somebody asking you to go on a mission trip. No, I want to go the opposite way. Please don't do that when I ask you to go on a mission trip. But Jonah's disobedience, ultimately he ends up going and sharing about God to these people. And then we see in the timeline, God moves on through history, and, and we have this moment of time where God sends the ultimate rescue plan. And he sends Jesus to this world. And later we're going to observe the Lord's Supper, and it's a great representation of what Jesus did while he was on earth. He came, he lived among us, he did many things, but ultimately he went to the cross. He sacrificed his body. We'll eat the bread later. He spilled his blood on the cross for all of mankind to make a way for a right relationship with God. He was buried in the tomb, but three days later, he rose again. He made appearances. He gave us uh, commandments which we are to follow. And then he ascended into heaven to rightfully reign with God. 
And then we see this great redemption plan come in, and then we see the next wave of what happens in Scripture. And that's the book of Acts and through the letters, and we see this guy Saul comes on the scene. He's bad news because he's persecuting Christians. But then out of a huge heart change and God intervening, he turns to believe in this Jesus that he was against. And what does he do? What is his primary mission that we see through the rest of Scripture? His goal is to, yes, go to the Jewish people, but then beyond that, and he shifts very clearly to take the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, the non-believers. So we see even here in Psalms that ultimately it's all about God's redemption plan. It's all about worshiping God, and it's all about letting other nations, other people know that they too can worship the same God. Um, in verse 10 it says the Lord reigns that's what is to be proclaimed among the people I love uh, the Christ centered Bible commentary Uh, Danny Aiken who I referenced earlier is actually one of the um, editors of the series and Tony Morita who past, pastors the Mago Day Church over in Raleigh just great godly brothers and it's a great commentary series if you ever just kind of stuck in a Bible passage man I encourage you they're, they're not super expensive they're like $10 for a book on, on a different book of the Bible they, they're a great resource and this is what it says about this big chunk of, of scripture Psalms that is found in scripture it says this just think about the physical real estate the book of Psalm takes up Right in the middle of your Bible is a giant 30,000-word hymnal. It's three times longer than Mark's gospel, three times longer than Revelation, four times longer than Romans. The scriptures are inspired by God. We know that from 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, even the balance of literary styles we have in the Bible came together under God's direction. It says many of the Psalms point back to God's acts of redemption in history. So we even talked about um, the Ark of the Covenant, but many of the Psalms talk about God's great work through his people. But then we also have Psalms like Psalm 96 that talk about singing a new song. And we see this in Psalm 33, 40, 96, 98, 144, and Psalm 149. It says, sing a new song. And, and I, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered why? Why is the psalmist, oftentimes David and other people saying, sing a new song? And the answer is because God's mercies aren't all centuries old. They are new every morning. We see that in Lamentations 3.23. So I would suggest to you, and the commentators would suggest to you, that a vital sign that is given to us in Scripture to evaluate the condition of the church is our new songs being sung. Are we celebrating what God is doing in the present time? And, and, you know, I'm probably like you. I I love old hymns. I grew up a son of a Baptist preacher. I know all the old hymns. I love them. But I also love a new song. And and sometimes there is that struggle. You walk into the sanctuary, man, I've never heard this song. But then as you hear it and you learn it, man, you're like, man, this is amazing because it reminds me afresh of God's goodness. You know, think about the song we sang this morning. I love uh, Phil Wickham. I know Pastor Sean loves him as well. There's just some beautiful lyrics of us to worship our God. Think about things like, I love Passion City Music, the ladies and the the men who compromise that group that creates music. It's beautiful worship music. Maverick City Music, beautiful worship music. But it's a new song. And why is that important? Because it's a reminder that we don't just serve this God of these ancient times and it's all these stories from the past, but it's also right here in the present. 
that God is worthy to be praised now. And isn't it so important that the church continues to create this new song to worship God as a new generation comes up and, and takes the leadership within the church. They too want to have contemporary versions to be able to sing the praises of God. So I don't know if that helps you or not, but for me, that's a helpful way to look at how we are to worship and how we are to embrace singing new songs. It's hard for us to think about, but when David wrote these lyrics, at some point somebody was saying, here is another song I don't know this hymn but they came to love it and it's in the scriptures today and we read it and many of the contemporary Christian songs use psalms not surprisingly as part of the lyrics we are to sing a new song to God because he's worthy to be praised um, the commentator also stated this I love the way it was phrased that the Lord is the strength of his people Jesus gives beauty for ashes. Jesus makes all things new. That's why we sing the way we do. The one explanation for singing of the church is the greatness and strength and beauty of God. I have a quote that I'm about to share with you, and it's, it, to me it's a little ironic that I'm sharing the quote because the quote is about missions not being the ultimate goal. And, and I don't know if you looked at my job title, but I am the sin pastor, the missions pastor. So as I share this quote with you, understand that even my role at some point will be no more. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I shared this in another service, but the role that Pastor Zeb has, man, it's, it's super important. He's our lead pastor. But one day that job will be obsolete. Think about what Pastor Kevin does in counseling and caring for people. One day that will not be necessary anymore. Being a missions pastor, no longer needed because we will be in the presence of God worshiping him and worship is really the only thing that is left to do. So the quote is this, it's from John Piper. It's out of a book called uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. It's a wonderful book on missions and it says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Um, Sean and Jesse have job security, right? All the way into eternity. Now, I like to believe that they're off the hook. They're not gonna have to plan all of the music and they're not gonna have to do rehearsals and all that. They're just gonna be joining and worshiping with us. But they, their job is the one that goes on into eternity. It says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. So as we meet together today and you think about worship, it's important for us to theologically understand that our worship is what is ultimate. We are created to worship our God. And beyond that, our goal then to be a part of this great redemption plan that God has is we want to see other people come to worship him. Um, I wanna share a few pictures with you really quickly. Um, this summer, uh, again, I, I got to travel quite a bit. My family got to go to Austria, which is where I grew up. It is a beautiful country. You see the picture on the screen, my two oldest daughters in front of a lake and a mountain. Th that's where my family lived as missionaries from, I, I was born over there until about 10 years old. Just a beautiful place. 
and we had the joy to get to go back there. It's my parents' 50th anniversary this year, and that was their dream to have the whole family go back. So super thankful for them. And uh, this, this is some of the things we got to see. So you can scroll to the next picture. Um, that's our family just outside. That was our view from the place we stayed. Uh, Jess, my wife, I think every morning came out to do her quiet time, and that was kind of her view, those mountains. So we wanted to capture a picture, kind of that angle. Uh, man, what, what a joy to be in that setting to say, God, worthy to be praised. Got one more picture. It's kind of funny. Uh, I confess this to, to Zeb. You know, we are imperfect people as pastors. And, and at first glance, you look at this picture. It's my wife and my son Emmett. They're on a boat. They're going into Hallstatt, Austria, which is this beautiful mountain kind of village that's on the side, right on the lake. It's kind of the inspiration for Frozen if you're a Disney fan. Um, beautiful, beautiful setting. And, and we're on the boat heading into, and it is hot. And it is sun is bright. So I take my hat which is apex sports ministry we are on brand we're representing apex in austria we're doing good well my brother was on the trip as well and, and, and emmett was not satisfied with just the hat he wanted sunglasses my brother um he, he's not walking with the lord right now it's something i, I pray for often but he, he works at a liquor store so he pulls out these sunglasses and at first glance we're like sweet he's got sunglasses then we turn when emmett turns we see that he is now sponsored by truly so you know he's he's got the apex hat on but he's got truly on his sunglasses I failed as a parent. I don't know what else to say. All right, let's go to the next picture. This is really special to me, and one thing I want to highlight really quick. This is getting to worship in German. So I grew up, again, my dad pastored a church in Austria. This is this is not the exact church that we grew up in, but it's that body of believers, and we got to worship in German. For me, that was a real treat, because I love hearing worship in different languages. I mentioned passion music. Chris Tomlin, a few years back, put out an album and on it he, he had his, his song How Great Is Our God you know the kind of the, the version he sings of that and he did it in multiple languages and, and I just love that in German How Great Is Our God is Wie Gross Ist Unser Gott in Russian which my Russian is not very good anymore even though I served in Ukraine and we used it Kak Velik Nash Bog um, for my Spanish speakers, you're going to, I'm sure, correct me afterwards, but the general phrase would be, Juan Grande es Nestro Dias. And then for Hungary, where we went on a mission trip, I had one of our interpreters help me with this, and I, I'm not going to do very good because Hungarian, I promise, is one of the hardest languages. I thought Russian was hard. Man, Hungarian's got a beat. But the phrase for how great is our God is, Mia Nayum Mistanuk. And, and I'm not saying that probably close to how I'm supposed to. But it's a beautiful reminder that the end goal is worship. I mean, when we go on mission trips, when, when, when I get to experience the beauty and creation of God and I'm worshiping, and then I get to go sit with other believers and hear them worship in another language, it's a reminder that the ultimate goal is for people to worship God. All right. So as we transition, uh, one thing uh, from this week, a, a camp that I really love, Pastor Tyler shared with the fourth and fifth graders, and he was talking about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem um, before he was crucified. And uh, as part of that story, if you remember, the, the people are throwing down their garments for the donkey to walk on that Jesus is on the back of. And as that's taking place, the Pharisees aren't happy. Of course, they're never happy, but they're not happy about this either. And they confront Jesus and disciples about it. And, and Jesus' response is just is perfect. 
And he basically says, if these people weren't to worship me, the rocks would cry out. Okay, that's a summary. You can read that passage of scripture for yourself. But the idea is that worship will take place. God will get his glory. And if we as humans don't do it, even God's creation will cry out and worship him. I'm gonna come back to that thought here in just a minute. But what I loved about it is Pastor Tyler encouraged the kids to, to think about this. He, he had a phrase that he said that all good things are God things. And he encouraged the kids in our groups to think about good things that have happened that year that really are God things. So in our group, uh, group number six was my group, uh, awesome, a bunch of kids. And like one of the kids shared, hey, I got to see a friend I hadn't seen in two years. Uh, another kid said, man, my baby sister was born this year. Good things that are God things. And as I share those pictures with you, man, for me, that's a good thing that happened, but ultimately it's a God thing. And we want to find ways to give God glory even in these small, sometimes seemingly insignificant things. So I want to get to the second point as we're running short on time, and I'll get us there. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. Um, God's glory demands we bring the gospel to the nations. Um, C.S. Lewis says there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So we are on this great epic journey, mission by God to share the good news with others. And we have an adversary who is trying to distract us and keep us from that at all times. And as we think about that, we want to look back into the scripture. And again, I, the, the Christ-centered uh, commentators are, are helpful. They say this, they say, this salvation is glorious. Talking about what Jesus did on the cross. Comprehensive. Sins are forgiven. Conscience cleansed. Death defeated. Adopted into his forever family. And destined for pleasures evermore at his right hand. As local churches committed to the Great Commission, our praying, our giving, our going and sending are all aimed at one thing, global worship. Uh, we're saying, we're echoing the words of Psalm 96 that say, ascribe to the Lord, you nations, you families of the peoples. Come sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Uh, you know, the end result, the, the, the whole reason that we pack up our bags, that a, a group of people would give up a week of their summer to go overseas or for a group to go to Nashville or a group to go to a COE outreach is because they want to see people come to a relationship uh, with Christ and ultimately worship God. That's why we do what we do. And that's what I encourage each one of us to find our way to be a part of doing that. Um, one, one aspect that we sometimes don't consider is that the nations reach with the gospel and ultimately Jesus, when he returns for judgment, the world itself will rejoice as things are made new and whole. If you look in verses 11, uh, really through the end of the chapter, you see phrases like, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, the trees of the so forest sing for joy. So the thought here is that one day, and this is in this passage as well, Jesus will come to judge earth and he will make things new. And, and the thought, and I think it echoes a little bit of what I, Pastor Tyler shared about the rocks crying out. When things are made new, when God sends Jesus to return to this earth, the earth itself, the beautiful creation, the pictures I shared with you, it will cry out and praise God itself for what is taking place. That 
is the great God that we serve, that even creation itself will worship him. And we have a role to play in that. I wanna share a few pictures of our other mission trip really quickly as we close up. I'm gonna go through these pretty quick. This is the Nashville trip. They left the same morning that our Hungary trip left. Man, they got some great stories. May, one of the twins, I think she might even be in here. I saw her a minute ago, but she shared at kids camp about her experience and she did phenomenal. Man, it was awesome to hear her excitement, how God used her in this group on that trip. So if you wanna hear more about it, come find one of these people. They would love to share with you what happened in Nashville. But this is our Hungary trip. This was our group. Uh, we had two, a couple that is considering serving in Hungary uh, long term that went with us from Tryon Baptist Church another North Carolina church they were a huge blessing uh, and let me just share a few pictures with you really quick so the first one is of a, a young man named Zolan I mean I'm going to be honest with you we had some hard moments with him during the week this young man has some challenges that he's going through, some obstacles um, he is struggling with his identity of worth of who he is in God he doesn't know that but man, this week, we got to pour into him, we got to pray for him, we got to encourage him that he is indeed made in God's image and that he is loved and he's cared for. Miss um, Erin, who helped me with crafts, well, she didn't help me, she did crafts, I helped her. Let me rephrase that. Um, she's sending him a Bible and she's highlighting verses of encouragement to him. Next slide, Mason Peeler, church member on the left, great brother, man, he did an awesome job with Rec. The kid in the middle, his name is Marcel. And I have a picture of my phone from last year's camp where he translated for us as well. He's an older student, 16. And the pictures of him and Tim Bridgers last year, and Tim is sharing the gospel with him. And this year, Mason got to come alongside and continue that and pour into him even more, okay? Uh, next picture, I think it's the last picture, is of Nicholas, one of our interns. He's actually at Southeastern Seminary. He feels called to ministry. Just a great brother. He was a huge blessing during the week. And he, man, this dude loves to share the gospel. Any chance he got to do it on the trip, he was sharing the gospel. And this is Levi, probably about 17 years old, finishing high school there has a pretty good knowledge of the Bible. Like many people that we encounter knows the Bible fairly well, but has a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge of who his Savior is. So our encouragement this week was to, to, to tell him, hey, you might know the Bible, but you need to have a relationship with Christ. I, I share these pictures. I think that's the last of them. Uh, one more, I'm sorry, Pastor Lotzi on the left, Otto in the middle, myself, we're on a boat cruise on the Danube River in Budapest, beautiful. If you want to come on a mission trip, that's how we end the week, fantastic. But Pastor Lotzi pastors a church there in Torex St. Nicholas, which is where we minister, and yes, Jesse, I kind of got it right, but his church is less than 20 people. There's another evangelical church that's more charismatic that's less than 40 people. Beyond that, it's Catholic churches, it's a Reformed church that's not really preaching the gospel actively. So you're talking about a, a, a little town of seven to 10,000 people and very little gospel presence. So our goal is to go there and to encourage them, to come alongside them and to share the gospel in the school where we do the camp. And the goal of it is not just to go and have a good time and hang out with Otto and Lotzi, even though I love those brothers and I would go just for that reason, but that's not why we go. All those people that were on the screen, they're representation of people that we want to see worship God. 
Because that's the ultimate goal of missions, is worship. One day, my prayer is that I walk in, in heaven when God calls me home, and I see Marcel walking towards me saying, I'm here because I'm praising God as well. My, my prayer is that I see Levi, and Levi is worshiping God, and probably in beautiful Hungarian, and, and Zolan, who has all these doubts and fears about who he is and struggles with, with, with self-worth, is on his knees praising God for rescuing him from all those things. That's why we do missions. That's the goal. And as we close up today, as we get ready to do the Lord's Supper, um, one quote I'd want to share with you as we finish is from a book called Is the Commission Still Great? by Steve Richardson. Great book on missions. Pastor Zeb and I heard um, uh, Jim Shaddix, a teacher at Southeastern, preach on this. And man, it was just phenomenal. And that book is great. If you can get your hands on it, um, uh, make time to read it but it says this the lord of the harvest has a role believer to play the role may change over time but it is vital for us to engage in the ways god brings to the two hands as an act of worship so ultimately as we close up today and as we get ready to transition to celebrate and observe the lord's supper the thing i want you to walk out of here thinking about is are you worshiping god in a way that he deserves. I mean, that's been a theme through the book of Psalms as we read it, but are we truly worshiping a God who is worthy to be praised? Are we giving him the proper amount of worship? And then the second question, I guess, to go with that would be, if you are worshiping God, are you putting that into action in some way? Remember, the ultimate goal is for other people to come to know and love and praise the same God the way we do. So what are you doing to be a part of that? It might be as simple as coming and being a part of our back-to-school outreach and loving on our community. It might mean that you want to go on a mission trip and go into a harder context where there isn't as much of as a gospel presence and share the good news of Jesus. It might be like some in our church that feel called to go on long-term missions. We're going to go visit the Pagans in a few weeks who are serving in Mexico City, excited to do ministry with them. We have a young couple who in just a month or so are going to leave to a really hard part of the world to do missions there, and we're gonna get to pray over them next week before they go out. But what is your role? Maybe it's that coworker. Maybe if you're a student, it's that, that fellow student at church that, like Zolan, is really hurting and struggling and needs somebody to share with them the love that is found in relationship through Jesus Christ with God. So let's pray together, and we'll transition to observe the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, for just being a God worthy to be praised. God, ultimately, everything we do is to worship you. God, our, our heart's desire is to see people come to know you and to worship you. And God, I pray as we consider what that looks like in our own lives, God, I pray that you would find ways for us to get involved, to share that good news with other people, whether it's right here in our backyard or whether it's halfway around the world. God, we, we thank you for this time together this morning. As we get ready to observe the Lord's Supper, God, I pray that you help us to reflect and think about your goodness and how you came to this world to die on the cross uh, for your blood to spill on behalf of our sins that we could have a relationship with you. God, we love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.